From the West Coast to the coast of Lake Nokomis, this is the Coast to Coast NBA Podcast. I'm Chalenga. And I'm Dylan. Hey, Dylan. I said uh, Lake Nokomis because I've started playing basketball on Friday nights at the Nokomis Community Center with a bunch of former Luther Frisbee players. Are you killing it? Uh, uh, they're really athletic, so mm. th- it's like the pace is fast. But the skill yeah. level is like adequate for me to compete because there's not that much so, skill. So you just need a little bit of conditioning so you can yeah, so yeah. You can get up and down the court faster. Is it, It's full court? Yep, it's full court. But it's a small court, so I, it won't take me too long to get in that big a shape. I wish there was a better... Three and three? or We do five on five, five, on five. so it's like it's wow. it's a little crammed, but I've been working on my shot, so it's it's, you know, I'm competing. Are you stretch four, or what are you positionally with those with these guys? Uh, I actually end up handling the ball quite a bit, um, so I'm sort of a scoring three, um, but I also do some rim protecting too. Uh, I you know I I kind of play rim protector on on defense and offensive creator on on the offensive side of the ball. Wow, Ben Simmons type. Yeah, you know, with the shot. With a better shot. Like, I always say I'm Pascal Siakam. Do you think that you're better than Ben Simmons at shooting basketballs? No. That's amazing. Yeah, there's no way. <laughs> That's amazing how bad he is in comparison to NBA players. Yeah. And for you to be so confident that, there, that he would he's so much me. better than you yeah, are. Yeah, there's no question in my mind. <laughs> there's no question in my mind the only person that i think i could maybe outshoot is mason Plumley, because that shot is broken <laughs> or maybe shack you could probably outshoot Shaq. yeah I, I, I could maybe i would stand a chance against Shaq. all right welcome to our uh celebration episode this is not a celebration episode we were talking last time we missed our 50th episode so welcome to our 52nd episode of the pod this is amazing dylan uh congratulations to us Break good pods. Come on. <laughs> uh, we're going to do our awards prediction show right now. So the season has already started. So we're taking a look at what's happening and what we think is going to happen. And we're going to do some predictions for our puppies, which are going to end at, or which are going to happen at the end of the year. So we've got some funny awards. We've got some real awards. Uh, who am I kidding? They're all very real, serious awards. Right, Dylan? Yeah. We only do real awards here, authentic awards. We are a podcast of integrity. And honestly, the thing that we definitely don't do is we we don't really cover the basic awards. But just to start us off, MVP, boring, Giannis or Harden. Yep, those are the the two leaders. Harden might average 40. He... (laughs) It he's at 39 and a half and he's not not on good splits right now yeah i mean it would not uh shock me if he did that uh i would be i would be impressed but i would not be shocked uh but yeah those two seem to be the front runners but what's really inter- interesting to us are mvp dark horses so we're gonna start with our dark horse mvp candidates dylan let, who do you have start this one yeah uh I've been talking this guy up since the beginning of the season. He's not a dark horse anymore. But I just wanted to repeat to our listeners that I 
had LeBron getting his fifth MVP, tying Jordan for regular season MVPs this year. I'm still riding that train. LeBron is playing amazing. And the other thing is that he's playing defense. Ever heard of it? Have you ever heard of her? <laughs> defense? LeBron hardly know her. Until this season. <laughs> Defender? Oh, duh. <laughs> Sorry Defender, about that. Defender? I hardly know her. <laughs> Ah, uh, all right. My Dark He's Horse MVP good. is a, you know, it's a little bit of a stretch. Uh, but but before I before I say who my MVP is, we have an apology to make. Uh, so Dylan and I wrote this apology letter to my Dark Horse MVP candidate, and uh, it goes like this: <clears throat> Dear David Booker, we are writing to let you know that we have made a terrible mistake. We have spent we have spent much of the last few years disparaging your play on the court. We've called you things like a loser, a basketball bum, soft, and a player that will never win anything. We deeply regret these choices we've made and want to express that we completely understand that things are different now. You are an excellent player on a quality NBA team. We hope that you can forgive our transgressions and that we may continue to root for you positively and our wolves can coexist with you amicably in the western conference until your next until your next contract which will be with the minnesota timberwolves devin booker is my dark horse baby mvp listen devin devin booker 2024 let's uh, start the campaign now i can't wait come join us we want devin booker we want d'angelo russell we want them all uh I wouldn't say we about D'Angelo Russell, <laughs> but I think that the Suns are legitimately better than the Timberwolves, which is crazy to think about if you ask me. They're maybe the worst team in the league last year, and now they are looking possibly above league average. They're 7-4 and four right now. Yeah. And, I mean, they've had some really good losses, too, including against the Lakers. Yep. They beat the Clippers. Yep. I think they might have been Kawhi-less Clippers at that point. But well, that Lakers game was close, too, until the very end. The score doesn't really reflect how saying. close it was. Yeah, Good losses. They've had some good losses and some good wins and a really tough schedule. The Wolves are only 7-6, and six and uh, their schedule hasn't been that tough yet. So yeah. I guess I wouldn't be surprised if both of those teams are fighting for like the 7 through... 11 seed in the west but uh i think that the suns are gonna be better than the wolves this year i i don't know yeah i'm confident in it i'm with you i mean the suns are seven and four right now and if they can continue to play this way and they can get up to the five seed four seed maybe even i think the uh that devin booker has a slight chance of being mvp he's at 25 and a half three rebounds and six oh assists my God. on 53 percent from the floor 50% from 3 and 94% from the free throw line. I mean, he could he's legitimately could have a 50-40-90 season this season. Well, he legitimately is having that right now. He right right now he is legitimately having a 90-54. Which is insane. So he is my real real dark horse pick for Devin Booker. Our next award is the least valuable player, which is defined as a player who plays or will play a lot of minutes and oh. makes their team significantly worse. Yes, Dylan. 
I want to say one more thing about Devin Booker. He is averaging, or not averaging, he has collected more defensive win shares than he did all of last season already. Wow. So for, for us to say that Devin Booker was a loser before was not necessarily so such a horrible take. But this year, there's something different. I mean, he is playing the best defense of his life. And he's playing very consistently on offense. And finally, with an off-ball roll, is able to make a lot of his three-pointers because he's not having to dribble the ball for 20 seconds. That's right. Uh, thank you, Ricky. Thank you, Ricky. Anyway. Our next award is the least valuable player, the player who plays a lot of minutes and makes their team worse. And we both think that the least valuable player this year will be Kyrie Irving of the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, that was consensus. Yep. The Nets stink. And Kyrie stinks as well in more ways than one. He's yeah. got that stank on him. The Nets are 5-7. and seven. They were 4-7 and seven until they just won last night without Kyrie Irving. Granted, it was against the Bulls, but uh, it's just curious that they've been, gotten off to such a bad start, even though Kyrie has been putting up a lot of numbers. Wait, they beat the Bulls? They beat the Bulls, yeah. The Bulls are maybe the worst team in the league. Good call by me. Everyone was was uh, talking them up. and eesh. Kyrie's averaging 28.5, 5 rebounds, 7 assists, and his team is 4-7. and seven. Kyrie, you will probably be our LVP this year. The player that plays the most but doesn't help the team win. Dylan, are you ready for our next award? Yeah. Our next award is Most Improved Player. We love this one. We love to celebrate players who uh, make a jump in ability. My most improved player is the one, the only, Devontae Graham of the Charlotte Hornets. I love Devontae Graham. Um, I just want to make a brief correction on a previous podcast. I said that he was a Naismith College Player of the Year. That was incorrect. He was the Big 12 Player of the Year. Uh, for Kansas, but not the college, uh, the Naismith player of the year. That was Jalen Brunson that year. It was a close competition. Um, but Devontae Graham. Sorry, it was Wildcat bias, you Kansas Wildcats. <laughs> Kansas Wildcat. Whoa, 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 whoa. Rock chalk, baby. <laughs> Rock wait, wait, whoa. chalk. Wait, wait. I thought the I thought Kansas was the Wildcats. Aren't you guys the Wildcats? Get Dylan. Are you the Tigers? Are you the Tigers? Devontae Graham is averaging 18.8 points, three and a half rebounds, and seven assists this year on 40%, 41% from the field, 41% from three, and 79% from the line. He looks way better. His career averages before this year were 7.8 points, 1.8 rebounds, and 3.6 assists. So this is a huge leap. He's my most improved player. Just so everyone knows, I was making fun of uh chilanga for mixing up kansas and kansas state and kansas and missouri your biggest two rivals if you got it email us at coast to coast nba gmail.com we will give you some swag that's right dylan who's your most improved player this year i wanted to go with somebody that people weren't talking about because i was looking at demontis sabonis i was looking at fred van vliet who had a really good first game then started to trail off in the middle of the season. Now he went like back to back with like twenty four point outing and the thirty point out. I think another thirty point outing recently. Um, so Fred Van Vliet's certainly improved. Sabonis has certainly improved and started to look a little bit like Daddy. 
he's starting to pass the ball a little bit better. I'm uh, interested to see more of that. And maybe it's time to get rid of Miles Turner. I think you said that on the previous pod. Get rid of t- Miles Turner. Yeah, I'm all in on the trade, trade Miles Turner. Turner. Uh, I think I might be in on that with you because uh, Demontis Sabonis. I don't think he's going to be a power forward. And uh, if we want him to look anything like Arvidas, which is my fa- one of my favorite types of players, the Jokic, Arvidas, Sabonis, Carl Anthony Towns when he's running point from the post, that type of that type of player. I think you're going to have to trade Miles Turner. Uh, I also looked at his teammate, Malcolm Brogdon, and uh, who's also having a pretty solid season. Did did get hurt early on in the season. He does have a pretty big injury history. We'll see what happens with him, and we'll see what happens with him once Oladipo starts. So I that's another reason why I didn't want to have him as most improved, or be, because I think that a lot of his usage is going to be taken away once Oladipo returns, which it sounds like people are being optimistic already, which is great. For the Pacers, um, yeah. Yeah. My player, though. Oh, right. Who is your actual player? But my actual player. Not to uh, wax poetic on things that don't matter for the, the sake of this podcast or the awards prediction, the Puppies Awards predictions, but Bam Adebayo, most improved player. So last season, Bam was averaging like nine... Uh-oh, I'm running out of battery on my on my ears. He was averaging nine and seven rebounds, two assists. This year, he's significantly upgraded almost all of those categories. He's got 14 points a game. He's averaging 10.6 rebounds. He's averaging 4.6 assists. That's really impressive. And he's also averaging, on the defensive end, 1.5 steals and 1.5 blocks for a total of three stocks a game. Wow. Um, not only that, but he his two-point efficiency has gone up with all of this usage and minutes production. He's, he is shooting 61.5% from two. And, I mean, he's trying to shoot the three a little bit more, but he's not any more successful than he ever has been. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need that, though, to be a dominant player because he's just so agile. He'll never be played off the court. He is one of the best defenders in the game. His defensive box plus minus last year was 3.6. Now it's 6. I mean, that's got to be... That's right up there with like Dwight Howard in his prime numbers. I mean, this guy is a brand new state-of-the-art for this NBA rim protector. He can get out to the perimeter if he needs to, but can also stay home. Yeah, he's he looked a lot way. better. I'm really impressed by that 4.6 assists. That is that is really great. That's a great step for him. Crazy. All right, our next yeah, he's probably assisting on some Kendrick Nunn threes. That's right, little kickouts. All right, our uh, our next award is the Washed King Award. This award is going to go to someone who everyone thinks is washed, but ain't. My Washed King ain't, Award. Ain't, ain't. Matumbo finger wag. Mm-mm. No, no, no. My Wash King Award goes to the one, the only Carmelo Anthony. He's back, baby. The Portland Trailblazers just signed him to a non-guaranteed deal, but we'll ignore that part. And let me tell you, I've got full faith in Carmelo Anthony coming back to the NBA as a changed man, ready to play his role. I bet he's been practicing catch-and-shoot corner threes, I bet he's been putting in work uh, in the gym, getting his body ready to play because he wants to end his career on his terms. And he can't do that if he can't play a role. 
So, Melo, I believe in you and your ability to be an impact player in the league, and you are my washed king. If there's anything we know about Chalanga, it's that he loves speculating on players before they touch the court. That's my, my. favorite thing. It's my favorite basketball <laughs> activity. Uh, my Wash King Award goes to a player that already is producing this season. That's what I decided to go with. And it's not LeBron James. No, no, no. LeBron James only was a wash king to himself. I don't think anybody was saying LeBron wasn't going to be a top 10 player this season. My wash king, I was thinking about Paul Millsap, Chalanga. Mm, he looks good. And I know that early on in this podcast, in the first couple episodes, I really wanted to shit on Paul Millsap. Uh, just because I think I have some anti-Nuggets bias, naturally. Yeah. But he has been maybe their second best player, definitely a top five player for them. But in these past couple games has really willed them to victory in important moments. And uh, so I just wanted to give a shout out to Paul Millsap for a second for ticking back the clock a little bit. Mm -hmm. But the player who has most done that in my eyes so far this season, I think you would probably agree with me, is Kevin Love. Yeah. Let me pull up his stats for a second. So right now, Kevin Love is averaging 18.7 points, which is the most he's averaged since 2016-2017. And he is also bringing 12.6 rebounds, which is the most he's averaged since he's been in Minnesota. He hasn't been rebounding like this since Minnesota. And we, as we all know, when he was in Minnesota and averaging those kind of numbers, he was on like double-double streaks that had that no one else was touching, maybe Andre Drummond um, and maybe Hassan Whiteside back then. Um, he's also averaging 3.2 assists. Now his turnover numbers are also way up, but I'm really liking what I'm seeing out of Kevin Love. I mean, he's doing the exact same thing he's been doing from behind the arc, but he's played in 11 games, and if he can continue to play throughout the season, I think that he has a chance at making an all-star team in a depleted East, a bereft East. Yeah, I uh, I think that he definitely has a chance to make an all-star game. Depends on how good the Cavs are, but right now they're better than expected. What are they, 5-7? and seven? Yeah, uh, uh, they might eight. be 4-8 and eight now yeah, because they... they just lost a game to the Sixers. Right. Unfortunately, like they lost that nail-biter to the Sixers where they were up 5. Is this something maybe we're going to talk about later? <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about this later. So we'll come back to that. But I love that Kevin Love pick. Uh, he is Dylan's washed king. Our next award... And John Beeline's looking like he is able to get the most out of this team. Yeah, maybe John Beeline is the washed king, really. Everyone thought he's too old. He's 67. He can't coach in the modern NBA. But he's doing a good job so far. He's getting the most out of all of his players. Congratulations, John. Way to get your chance. You know what? I, I like to think of myself as a late bloomer. And uh, so shouts out to all late bloomers out there. John Beeline, you get your chance. You make the most of it. Hey, I'm still waiting go. to bloom myself. Uh, our next award is the first coach, is the first coach fired award and uh, this one is pretty easy if there's a really hot seat in the nba it's been made very david clear fisdale. that it's david fisdale um so david fisdale oh, no it's been here's uh, the thing you don't even deserve it no 
I don't think David Fizdale's a bad coach. He's going to get his chance. He'll be he'll get his Monty Williams chance to coach a team like the Suns. Like he'll he'll get a chance sometime in some other franchise. Hopefully, I'm hoping. You know, this actually kind of leads us into our next award because I think the next franchise that could use him should should use him, should use him sure. uh, is the franchise with our coach. Uh, our worst coach that won't, won't get fired. This award goes to a bad coach that is going to keep his damn job. And we're giving that award. We think it's going to be Luke Walton. Oh, my God. Why do people think that Luke Walton is a good coach? Like, <laughs> their their excuse is that, like, did, did he coach two or three years with the Lakers? But, like, that every year with the Lakers, he improved his record. Well, when you get LeBron on your team, you're not going to be worse than you were the year before, even with only 55 games of LeBron James. Right. And and you know what? The other, the other piece of it is that he coached in Steve Kerr's stead, right, when he had that back surgery. And it's like, uh... You could stick any. You could stick me as the coach of the Warriors, and they would do just fine. He didn't have to do anything except be a chill guy, <laughs> you know. Yeah, they they're yeah. they're coaching themselves at that you know at that level. Pretty bad, and maybe this is proving something. Why would you fire Dave Yeager? Seriously. Why would like Dave Yeager is another te- another guy who's out there and. Maybe he should be coaching one of these teams. Maybe he should be coaching the uh, Bulls next year. I don't know. Yeah, I think that would actually be a really good idea. Get Dave Yeager in. He's he's good at maximizing his players, and he's good at adapting. He went from grit and grind to pace and space. And, you know, he looks at his roster, and he tries to make the the best of what he can. So hopefully Luke Walton will get fired eventually because the Kings are bad. And also, Luke Walton may have sexually assaulted someone so i don't want to let that get untalked about um that's that's yeah that still has not been settled that hasn't been settled we don't know what's going on with that but it's definitely something to consider why have him when you could have someone with a cleaner record like dave yeager or dave fisdale jinx all right our next award is the six man of the year uh these are uh gonna be uh, six men are some of my favorite players, you know, come off the bench, give lots of energy. My six man of the year this year goes to Jabari Parker of the Atlanta Hawks. He's got the narrative right. He's coming off the he's 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 starting in uh, John Collins's absence and he is trying to keep the Hawks afloat. They're four and eight right now, uh, but hopefully they'll start to win some games. They're playing the Lakers tonight. Hopefully they can pull out a win there. Um but his numbers on the year are 17.8 points, 6.3 rebounds, and 1.5 assists. Um, what I like is that he's taking a lot more shots that are assisted uh, rather than taking shots uh, off the dribble. Granted, he is only shooting 30% from three, but that's not too far off from his career average. Uh, in my uh, eyes, six man of the year is about points, and it's about narrative. And he's got the points, and he's got the narrative in playing and starting while John Collins is out. It just depends if the Hawks get enough wins. Chalanga? Yes. I have a name written down that I desperately, desperately want to be in the conversation for sixth man of the year, Mm -hmm. but I don't think it's going to happen. I don't even think he could be eighth man of the year because he's cooled off a bit, and that's Josh Okogie. Mm. Uh, Started off the year like 
leading the league for three games. Like that's a significant portion of time to be leading the league in in uh, net rating. But now he's cooled off. He's starting to shoot exactly the way that he shot before. He's getting worse at the rim and he's biting on defense way too much. Like he's letting these uh he's letting these offensive players sell him on their pump fakes and on their screens and stopping behind screens like Josh come back. Come back to me, baby. Be my prodigal son. Oh. Be my prodigal son. There it is. Yeah, Who and else could we have as a sixth man of the year though? I want a I I want a real candidate. That was a horrible candidate. I that was a full Homer fucking take, and I can't believe I even wrote that name down. To well, there's always Lou Williams. Uh, there I is. I don't want to take that. I'd rather take Montrez Harrell on the same yeah. team, just because. Let's get something different. Like Lou Williams, you're not, you're not a sixth man. You are a starter on that team. Okay, I don't. I if you're playing in the fourth quarter, I don't care who starts the game. You're a starter if you're playing in crunch time with Kawhi Leonard. I think Tyler Hero Tyler Hero has been coming off the bench and he's could make a run at six man of the year. He's at thirteen points, shooting I just thirty seven and a half percent from three. I want a guy that I can buy a little bit low on that I see more potential and I I see Tyler Hero as having a really good hot streak, but I'm not sure. I do believe that, that there's always that slump in that freshman year that every rook every NBA rookie has and I think that that's probably coming for Tyler Hero. I mean, I could be totally wrong, but I think that's more likely to happen than with some of these other six men. I don't know, maybe like a Rudy Gay. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie. can figure it out. Spencer Dinwiddie, but he's going to be starting now for a lot of the games since Karis LeVert's struggling to stay healthy. And huh. Maybe it's Devontae Graham, although he's been starting now lately too. I know. Maybe I'm going to just say Devontae Graham because I don't think that there is a chance that he starts over Terry Rozier just because of the sheer amount of money that Terry Rozier is making this year. Yeah, let's go with Devontae Graham. I dig it. I'll back up your Jayhawk. Rock Chalk. Rock Chalk. All right. Our next award is the 12th Man of the Year. This award goes to a bench rider who we just can't quit. Uh, My sixth man of the year is the sweetie with the sweet stroke. Denzel Valentine of the oh, Chicago be Bulls. Mine, Denzel. He's uh he's coming from I watched him a lot at Michigan State. I thought he was an excellent basketball player. I still think he's an excellent basketball player. He was out all of last season with an injury. Uh and this season he also has not played at all. He cannot seem to crack the uh Bulls rotation, which is not that deep. Um he might be a little bit more sizable in terms of strength, but he has a lot of skills that overlap with Zach Levine, right? Uh yeah, I mean, he is a he is a playmaker and he is a shooter, you know, and he's a a decent defender um in in my recollection. Uh, if he can get back in the in his 2017-2018 season, he played 77 games, started 37 of them. He shot 38% from three, scored 10 points a game on uh, with five rebounds and three assists. So he can, you know, uh, contribute across the, the counting stats. Um, 
And I, I'm not sure why he's not able to crack the rotation right now. I still believe in him, and I'm always going to root for Denzel Valentine, and, I, and I'm going to think he's a good player um, until he's out the league. So he's my 12th man of the year. I like it. Denzel Valentine was on my 2K team, 2K17, and my My Career player with Del Bryan. I think I've talked about him before yeah. when I was drafted by the Chicago Bulls. Denzel Valentine was a second-year player at that point, I believe, and he ended up progressing with me like he was the guy that ended up like getting really good with me and it was there were some other players that i was like oh why aren't they getting good because now they're a lot better or whatever and like zach levine wasn't playing but denzel valentine was playing it was kind of weird but it'd be good to see denzel valentine uh shooting some corner threes for del Bryan in real life little kobe kobe white would be the uh, the equivalent, I guess, of my Del Bryan. <laughs> Del Bryan. Dylan, who is your uh, 12th man of the year? I cannot quit Alonzo Trier. Mm. He can't crack the lineup because he's behind the likes of Dennis Smith Jr., R.J. Barrett. He's behind uh, Reggie Bullock. And Alfred he's Payton. He's behind who else? Frank Nilakina. Frank Nilakina. There are so many guards on this team that New York wants to try their uh to try that they don't really need Alonzo's skills. I'm not even sure if any team needs Alonzo's skills because all he does is pretty much ISO. Well, his name is ISO Zo and <laughs> shoot threes. Uh so he kind of clogs the ball up a little bit. He's a little bit like a Kyrie Irving. Like, he's a baby Kyrie. That's how I would explain it. He scored 22 this season in one of his two games. I think he's had two games this year. Or no, maybe he's had more than that. Because I think he's also scored 14 in another game. He's a a guy who can go out and get you points if you need it. Unfortunately, in the NBA, there are, like, just tons of guys like that. Right. Right, but he's not going to give you any defense. And that's what... There aren't tons of guys. There aren't tons of guys like that. You're right. Um, So, he is... Your twelfth man of the year. I like that pick. I'm. I like Alonzo too, and I'm rooting for him. So let's. Will you? Root? He's played. So he, he. Sorry, he's played eight games, and he scored. Sorry, thirteen against Cleveland, and he did score twenty two against Brooklyn at the beginning of the year. So he's had a couple of pretty good offensive outings, but yeah, he's just not going to be able to play if he's not going to engage on defense as much. You know what? I forgive you for not knowing that because the Knicks are hard to watch. Our next award, and we'll do this one quickly, is Rookie of the Year. So far, to me, it seems like John Morant. I think that's pretty clear. Let's move on. That's a boring award. Let's do something that our listeners actually care about. Our real Rookie Award is our Forgot About Trey Award, which goes to a rookie who, like Trey Young last year, will have a better second half of the season than they did first half. My Forgot who About Trey... are Tra- we forgetting about? Yeah, who, who are we forgetting about? We wanted to briefly mention... Zion, because obviously he's hurt and he'll be back, and yeah, we'll that's all be the like automatic one, right? Oh my god! But some other players we want to point out. I am picking Bruno Fernando of the Atlanta Hawks. He's a six-nine center out of Maryland, who is bouncy and athletic, and he's got good defensive uh, IQ and potential. He's also starting to shoot the three a little bit. Doesn't look amazing. It's not going down with any sort of consistency. It's twenty. He's twenty-two percent from three on the year, 
and he's taken nine of them. So it's not like he is a knockdown shooter. But if he can continue to develop that shot a little bit and get a little bit more comfortable on the offensive side of the ball, his defensive versatility, um, you know, he's got quick feet, he can jump, um, he can guard a lot of different positions. It's going to be really helpful to that team, to that Atlanta Hawks team. They like to play fast. They like to switch a lot on defense. You know, with if they can switch Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, and Bruno Fernando, ooh, watch out for the Hawks, baby. I think Bruno Fernando is going to get buried when John Combs comes back. But I do want to acknowledge with Zion, have you ever seen such a huge sports story, such a uh, ubiquitous man in the NBA? Like, he was everywhere. He was endemic. And all of a sudden, Zion is nowhere to be found. I saw the first picture that I've even seen of him, the first news that I've ever seen of him or heard of him uh, very recently, and he's looking like a big boy. Like, I might have been the angle, as it was said in the tweet or in the Instagram post, but uh, I don't know. We'll see what's going on with, with Zion, but there's also a possibility that that uh, things don't go as well with him. I don't know. We'll see. But Jarrett Culver... This is a man who scored 13 points last night in one half. He also scored 20 points against the Wizards. He's showing flashes of potential, which he didn't show, he hasn't shown yet, whether it was not showing up to Summer League or uh, really not playing well in preseason. He's gotten a lot better. The first, his first couple games, he looked very uncomfortable, as we were talking about. But now he's not only looking more comfortable... I'm going to look up his assist-to-turnover ratio while you talk about him later. But he is also making some pretty ridiculous athletic plays. He's showing off that 40-inch vert that he showed at the Lakers uh, draft combine or whatever draft. Workout. His workout with the Lakers, yeah. Yeah, he he's looking much better. He's throwing down dunks. He's getting stronger with the ball. Yeah, I mean, he's still he's knocking down some three-point shots, which is great. His shot doesn't look completely broken. It's not the most beautiful jump shot I've ever seen, but it's not terrible. So I could see him taking some big steps forward to uh, end this season. So he's averaging 2.2 assists to 1.6 turnovers. Not an incredible mark, but not horrible. But uh, just to go over, like he did have that game against Memphis where he was 15, 7 assists, 5 rebounds, and 0 turnovers. So those types of games are kind of what i'm talking about when i'm talking about him looking a lot more comfortable right so yeah i think this is a good pick um i maybe even have a little bit more confidence in his ability to have a strong second half than bruno fernando's uh Uh, easily especially because i'm seeing a lot more playing time for culver in the future and i'm not sure if i'm seeing the same uh the same usage potential potential with bruno fernando i think that's fair our last rookie award is the rookie with the biggest bust potential. So who going to be a bust? Uh, my pick is Sekou Dumboya from the I Detroit I tried Pistons. to convince you and Troy of this at the beginning of the season that that was a horrible pick by the Detroit Pistons who are were in desperate need of someone who could contribute right away. Why not a P.J. Washington? Why not a Tyler Hero? Why not somebody, even like a Cam Johnson, who could just sit there and throw up threes 
while Blake Griffin's driving. You know, like just get someone who stands there and shoots rather than someone who's never going to show up, might not show up at all, but will probably not show up for the next couple of years just because he's so young and raw. Yeah, I uh, love to speculate about players who haven't hit the NBA court. And my speculation is that Domboya is going to be a total bust. Dylan, who you got? I think that's the first time you've speculated a player to be a bust who hasn't hit the court. Usually <laughs> you're speculating them to be the MVP. As I was talking about before, my biggest bust potential is Zion. And it's not because I think Zion's going to be a bad player or anything like that, but because we put so much stress on what we think Zion could be. And because this whole rookie class was Zion-centric, I think it needs to be less Zion-centric. I think that we got a lot of talent in this draft. It looks like, at least at the beginning of the year, there are a lot of players that are contributing to winning. Yeah. Um, And even players who came out of the G League who are contributing to winning, like Kendrick Nunn. But Zion is... He was averaging like 30 points in the preseason. And people are like, how are we going to stop Zion? Well, I think that we're going to see how the NBA is going to react to that because... Uh, everyone also thought that the Pelicans were almost a shoe in for the play. Like I feel like most experts were picking the Pelicans as their surprise playoff team. And now they're looking horrible. We'll see if Zion can turn that around at all. Mm-hmm. I guess Derek favors got healthy and that's been helpful for them. Uh, Drew holidays gotten healthy and he's looked pretty good. He was the reason why they beat the Clippers recently. So uh, maybe they can turn around. I'm not saying that Zion's going to be a bust in terms of not being on the court Mm -hmm. or not playing, Mm -hmm. but I'm very nervous about his injuries. I'm nervous about him gaining weight. Yep. I don't know if he has gained weight, but I'm nervous that he might and that he could, um, and that could affect his play. And I'm nervous that Zion isn't going to be the thing that we all wanted him to be, which was the next LeBron James or the next Charles Barkley or even the next Blake Griffin. I think that there's a good chance that he's not even that. Yeah, well, I'm rooting for him, uh, but I think uh, me that, too. I think that you're right that, that there is a, there is a chance. And our last uh, award prediction uh, that is not Timberwolves specific is the player we will most likely die of thirst on their island. Uh, this is not a Timberwolf. One, two, three, Andrew, Andrew Wiggins. Wiggins. So not Timberwolves specific award, but we uh, we. Both love Andrew Wiggins, and we need him back to win. Come back, Andrew. All right. That brings us to the Timberwolves. Yep. So we are going to quickly go through our Timberwolves-specific award predictions and as well as a couple specialty awards at the very end of the podcast. Uh, So we're going to start with our most detrimental Timberwolf, our MDT of the season. Dylan, who you got? I have the most obvious selection for this. Travion Graham is the most frustrating Timberwolf to watch by far because we've had to see so much of him this year. He's started most of the game. He's got a long leash out there. And and for some reason, he's been given the bright, bright neon green light to take whatever three he wants, even if he's kind of covered. Yeah. What is he doing out there? He's... What was he, one for six last night? One for five last night? Yeah. But it looked worse than it was, and that was a good night for him, I feel like, one for five, because he's averaging 17% on the year or something like that. 17 and a half, but yeah. 17 and a half on the year, so that was a good night for him, and it looked atrocious offensively. He is a really frisky player, 
and his offensive putback, um, his offensive board putback against the Nets was the single reason why we won, or not maybe not the single, but one of the singular reasons why we won that game. And he, I love his energy. It's great to see a guy who like changes the pace of the game and can stop someone someone on the perimeter because it's for some reason it's so hard for the Timberwolves to stop point guards. I don't know what's going on, yeah. but he's our one of our best options at that. Yeah, but I just don't want to see him on the court once he crosses over into the offensive side of the court. Right, right. And uh, like I said, he's got a very long leash. Um, so I'm curious to see how long that leash is. My most detrimental... Even to like hold the ball, like he dribbles the ball at the top of the key. What's going on? Yeah, his dribble drives look out of control and awful. Um, my most detrimental Timberwolf is uh, Timberwolf that we talked about earlier. He doesn't play much, but when he does, it's a big N-O no for me. And that's Keelan Martin. Uh, he was recently called up from the G League. He's only played, what, three games? And he's... Uh, yeah. leading the lead, leading the team with the worst vorp at minus point trailing two. the team trailing the <laughs> in team vorp. that's yeah in the in one of the least amount of minutes for a stat that as i have said multiple times is accumulative so that's pretty impressive yeah it is impressively bad uh our next award is the ldt which is somewhat like the mvp it's the least detrimental timberwolf so the timberwolf that is uh <laughs> least detrimental to our success and we have a joint uh a prediction here that it's our entire backup center rotation gorgie jang yeah, jordan bell and noah vonley you were saying gorgie and i and you were like yeah but noah vonley i hate watching him because i don't know because he's goofy out there he is goofy he totally is a goofy player but I just feel like anytime they go in, they contribute the thing that they were paid to contribute and then some. I mean, maybe Gorgie Jenks not contributing $15 million per year. Uh, <laughs> but when they go in there, I'm not totally afraid of them. Like when Travion Graham has the ball, I'm very afraid. When Travion Graham's in on the offensive end. But when I'm seeing Noah Vonley like, in the post putting up a hook shot... I'm not that scared. I'm like, I wish that we had something a little bit better, but it's just like a, all right, fine. That's if that's what we have to do on this possession, just to open something else up or whatever. Fine, whatever. He's not spreading the floor like he like we thought he would, but he's getting offensive boards. He's playing more down low. I think he was probably playing less down low because of Mitchell Robinson, etc. On the Knicks last year, DeAndre Jordan and stuff, but uh. He, he is able to fill in that backup center role just fine. Just fine. Yeah. I'm I'm really happy with the Timberwolves center rotation. Jordan Bell is happy. Gorgie's knocking down shots and playing defense when he needs to play. And Noah Vonley is more reliable than he appears. So I think that, that that will continue throughout the year. Our next award is the Timberwolf Father of the Year Award. Who will be the best dad throughout this entire year? My a vote goes to Ryan Saunders, the head coach. So sort of the metaphorical father of the team, as well as recent father. He just had his first baby. Yeah. This summer, he had his first baby. And uh, I, when I heard him talk at that Timberwolves event, he was very sweet about the baby. And, you know, he was talking about how hard it was to be a new NBA coach and a new father, but making sure that he always made time to spend time with, with his child and, you know, savor those moments. So he's my pick. One of the underrated 
attributes of Ryan Saunders as a father of this franchise is that he's so willing to talk with different aspects of the team. I mean, John Krasinski has been talking about it. All of the beat writers have been talking about the culture change, right? Yeah. And just him, it's because of him. I mean, I I would attribute most of it to actually to Ryan over Gerson. I think Ryan brings that element of like him even being at that dinner, just like showing up at that dinner or just like him allowing media to be there at practice or things. Things like that. These are just things that the Timberwolves haven't had, certainly in a long time, maybe ever, uh, in terms of the transparency of the process of what the Timberwolves are trying to do and all that good jazz. All that good wolves. Uh, Dylan, what's your pick? My pick, just because I wanted to acknowledge the new father out there, he's going to be having a baby pretty soon, I think. Uh, he was he's expecting sometime in may which is a good thing because i don't think he's going to be able going to be having to play much in may tyus jones tyus is having a baby and once a timberwolf always a timberwolf especially to that homegrown jones family so those are our timberwolves specific predictions we've got two last specialty awards uh that are our own namesake and that we'll, uh, we'll continue to monitor throughout the year. The first one is Langoson's Biggest Dink Award. It goes to the biggest dinks in the NBA. Um, I think that this year, one of the biggest dinks, based on really just one truly horrific play, uh, is going to be Tristan Thompson. Uh, this past week, he... In a close game against the 76ers, the uh, Cavaliers were up five with just over two minutes left to play. Tristan Thompson grabbed the ball, uh, grabbed a loose ball down the court, and Ben Simmons was guarding him. He did a couple behind-the-back dribbles. Uh, Darius Garland... Ben Simmons was guarding him full court, by the way. Full court. Full court. He didn't try to pass. He tried to go around Ben Simmons. Darius Garland and... uh, Colin Sexton were both open, but instead Tristan Thompson said, I got this. And he did his little fancy (laughs) behind the back dribbles. Then he crossed the half court line and did a spin move. And out of that spin move off of one foot took like a 32 foot three with eight seconds left on the shot clock. (laughs) Oh my God. Which didn't even hit rim. It bounced off the backboard. And then the 76ers took it down and scored. And the 76ers ended up winning that game by one point. So I have to he think... He lost the game. <laughs> I have to think had Darius Garland or Colin Sexton taken that ball, maybe that possession would have ended a little differently. If John Beeline took the ball at that point, <laughs> that possession would have ended differently. He could have thrown it out of bounds at John Beeline and it would have been a better result. It was insane. Uh, so Tristan Thompson, keep on being a dink so you can win this award. Dylan, what's your what's your final award? Well, this award can only truly exist to be handed to this one player, to this singular player, to the player that we're holding all of our hopes on. We're hinging all of our hopes onto the shoulders of this young man. My award is the Dylan Carlson Memorial Avatar The Last Airbender Award. Huh. It's, explain that to me. I have a poem that I wrote. Okay. Score, defend, dribble, pass. Long ago, the four basketball nations lived together in harmony. Then, 
everything changed when the Dribble Nation attacked. James Harden. James Harden's the Dribble Nation. (laughs) Only the Avatar, master of all four elements, could stop him. But when the world needed him most, Carl vanished. A hundred years passed, and my brother, Trey, that's you. Hey. And I discovered the new Avatar, a scorebender named Andrew. And (laughs) although his scoring is great, he still has a lot to learn before he's ready to save any team. But I believe Andrew can save the Wolves. Wow, Dylan. Carl Anthony Towns is disappearing at the end of games, and he's been doing it for four years. I'm sick of it. He is no longer our avatar. The new young scorebender is Andrew Wiggins, who is only, he's like six months older than Carl Anthony Towns, mind you. Like maybe eight months, but not that old. Still 24. And all of our hopes, the the hopes of the entire franchise, of the entire Timberwolves franchise, reside in Andrew Wiggins' hand, and I'm ready for it. Dylan. I need to give myself up to it fully. I love Andrew Wiggins' scorebender. He will save us all. All right, everyone. That is our awards prediction pod. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks you. Thank you as always for listening. Don't forget to follow us on socials at Coast to Coast NBA on Twitter at Coast to Coast NBA Pod on Instagram. Send us an email at Coast to Coast NBA Pod at Gmail and please subscribe, download, listen, tell your friends, and most importantly, leave us a rating and review. If you haven't done it yet, you know who you are, and you should be ashamed of yourself, like truly ashamed. Tony B. You know what you, you did. You know who you are. Tony B has not reviewed our podcast. He probably wouldn't leave a very good review. No, he's not. He does not like us very much. Uh, we should probably Just, um, post those uh, email that email chain so that we can our fans can know what we're talking about. Yeah, update that to the blog that you haven't updated in two years. Will do. All right, thank you everyone for listening. This is our fifty-second episode. I'm gonna go eat cake. Feels good to be fifty-two. Bye, Dylan. <laughs>